Hi friends, welcome to our brand new podcast, The Albecchio Show. My plan for the podcast was originally to make software testing and training content more accessible, and the plan is to do so in a more interesting and effective way. This morning, I'm chatting with Marquise Coldwell, the partner and sales manager for EMEA at ClickLearn. So thank you so much for joining me, Marquise. How's your week going so far? Uh, the week is going really well, and thank you so much for the invitation. So I'd say professionally, things are going well, and then personally, like uh, life is actually pretty sweet right now, so no complaints. Awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad to hear it. Um, yeah, and thank you very much. ClickLearn is obviously... Um, a team we've partnered with in, in very recent times. So uh, I'll come on to all good things. But as I'm sure our audience can tell, you have a nice American accent there. So you're in America now living in Denmark. How did that happen? Yes. So I'm originally from California. And then how I ended up in Copenhagen is an interesting story. So during my bachelor's studies, I was taking a PhD course and I wanted to continue studying. And also my family was pressuring me to continue to get a master's degree. So I said, <laughs> finally, I agreed. I said, I'll apply to one school and one school only. If I get in, I go, if I don't, you guys have to leave me alone. So they said, deal. So I asked my advisor, should I move to London or should I go to Copenhagen? He said, go to Copenhagen, you'll have more fun. So I applied, I got in and then I was like, oh, I guess I have to move to Copenhagen now. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, over eight years ago now. Wow. So, Time flies. Do you um do you get yes, to go back to California much? I go back about once or twice a year to visit family and then mm-hmm. friends as well. So it's like um it's a long flight. It's like twelve hour flight, and then to get to my house from the airport's an additional two to three hour drive. So yeah. it's like it's a lot, but it's fun to go back like twice a year and then just hang out and do nothing. Yeah, Kelly, Kelly's um, somewhere in the world that I absolutely love to go to. Funnily enough, over summer just gone, I drove PCH, the okay. Pacific Coast Highway, because I, I just love that part of the world. So yeah, you're uh, you're not having to sell oh, it too much. You should, oh, you should definitely so do it. We did the drive tech. over the summer. Okay. Where did you start? Did you did you start kind of south to north, or did you go north to south? How did you go? We went south to north, so from San Diego up to Lincoln. So my younger sister is applying for universities, so to help her make an informed decision, I said, okay, we're going on a college tour. So we flew down to San Diego to visit UC San Diego, UC Santa Barbara, um, UC Santa Cruz, because she wants to major in biotechnology. So it was okay, these are the best schools. Let's go see them in real life and go surfing. Yeah, of course, of course. That's, uh, yeah, surfing's a go-to, right? Yeah, exactly. So moving on from that, how did you end up in the tech sector? As part of researching for our podcast today, I saw that you studied history and black studies at University College of Santa Barbara. Can you elaborate on your kind of educational career? Yeah, so essentially how I ended up in tech was tech itself isn't just always coding in itself. There are a lot of human elements. So during my bachelor's I studied North American wildlife legislation so I'm into reading legislation and then just seeing how it applies to the world and then during my master's I happened to be studying a lot of corruption so I started working at a compliance software company and I was developing the e-learning for a lot of companies so essentially whenever you need to take an anti-corruption course e-learning I was the person creating those oh wow Um, wow 
Yeah, so that's how it started. And then the CEO of the company asked me to stay on full-time as I was graduating. So I said, yeah, sure, I'd love to. And then he was like, okay, cool. We're moving you to the sales team. And then have you ever used Salesforce before? And I said, uh, no, but I'll figure it out. So then I became the Salesforce admin for the sales team. So I was just building out different CRM processes and mm-hmm. just essentially taught myself how to do all of that. And then, yeah, it's just kind of been evolving from there. That's awesome. So you've had roots in e-learning, I guess, for quite some time now. Yeah, because before I moved to Denmark, I was a teacher. So I learned how to, I was an art teacher. So (laughs) I was teaching people how to do art. So then I can make an e-learning course because of my educational background. And then, yeah, I just, technology is kind of like a video game at this point. So it takes some time to learn, but after a while, then you kind of get the gist of it. Sure. Sure. Yes. It, I, for me, it fascinates me that you've done so much in, you know, if I may say such a short lifespan, you know, you've kind of <laughs> studied some incredible things, some really interesting s- subjects, and then you've kind of moved into tech. And there's another part of your life that will come to shortly. But um, as you kind of mentioned there, you know, we alluded to at the start of the podcast, you're now living in Denmark. I haven't lived in Norway myself for a couple of years. I can understand, and one thing I really love is the Scandic way of life. Mm-hmm. How are you finding, I mean, it's a little um, long in the tooth for you now, but how do you find the Scandic way of life? And is the Scandic typical summer shutdown something that impacts you? Yeah, actually, I love living here. I love, I'm a very proud Californian. However, when I go back to California, you know, I miss my bicycle very quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, let's say, yeah, the quality of life here is very... Hi, I really like the work-life balance. It's um, not too often you can work and pursue hobbies at the same time. So I'd say, yeah, of course, there's challenges with integrating, but it's also about, you know, if you're open, it's a lot easier. So I'd say I've been fortunate with my experiences in Denmark, which allowed me to you know, end up loving the country and learning Danish and living here for so long. Yeah, that's awesome. That's like, I mean, gosh, if I was given the opportunity to go back and put roots down in, in one of the Scandic countries, gosh, yeah, I, I'd kind of snatch someone's hand off. I think it's <laughs> such a wonderful part of the world and I can completely attest to the work-life balance. I was over there for sporting reasons, but for me, the cleanliness of the country, the way that it kind of props up education, the way it enables people in such a way. I know people kind of speak about Scandinavia and, and the expensive side of it, but it's all relative, at least that's kind of how I found it. Is that something you can agree with? Oh, definitely. It's very relative. So one of the benefits of studying here is, well, one, the myth is education is free here. But I'm like, (laughs) yeah, but I'm American. So that doesn't apply to me. I'm non-EU. So I still have to pay tuition. Like I paid to be here, guys. But in addition to that, it's the education is cheaper than it would be in the US. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to get that international experience while also saving money. So that's, yeah, yeah. That was a huge benefit to it. But yeah, there is the expensive side of just your kind of day to day life, but it balances out. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess, um, you know, one thing I want to come on to now is, you know, working for ClickLearn, you're able to kind of do that from your base where you are at the moment. But in terms of our partnership, I, I guess this is how we've come to be friends and know each other a little more. Can you tell our audience a little about ClickLearn? Yeah, so ClickLearn is a digital adoption solution. So essentially the reason that we partner together is whenever you're 
testing with the customer or doing any types of implementations for like AX, FNO, and things like that, a lot of times you're going to need an instruction manual that comes with that. It's just like anything you buy in your personal life. You want to know step by step. So essentially, once everything's been built and tested, you can create all the training material and documentation of the system processes and the business processes with ClickLearn. And um, taking something that you actually said, and now I put it in my discussion with people, is it's the entry-level bar of ClickLearn is low enough to where anyone that understands the process can essentially work with ClickLearn. So you can then pull in some resources from other locations, and it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's an expert in task recorder, for example, or someone that's you know, the expert in articulate, it could just be anyone on the team that understands the process that's doing it. So it's really cool that you said it because then now I can say it. And it's like a great insight that just completely went over my head for as long as I've worked here until we met. Sure, sure. Well, thanks. Thanks for the overview. Um, from my perspective, looking after 4217, our company, um, one thing that we found very prevalent across the Microsoft stack and that is a whole host of solutions that we support quite heavily and extensively was that unfortunately in terms of automation be it testing or training we were very limited in what tools apply across the whole stack so for example as you mentioned with FNO we have the task recording functionality where we can potentially create UAT scripts you know as you mentioned screenshotted detailed documentation and the playback files that come with the task recorder and even implement them as, as training guides too. However, it's not something we could use in, in all elements of Microsoft and the solutions around the dynamic suite, you know, including Business Central. So I reached out to you based on that premise, as exactly if you, as you've said. What I love about ClickLearn is that we can apply it across everything. So we have a really streamlined approach to training now. It, it really complements the services we offer currently. And to be honest, it makes our life a lot easier. One thing I think is worth mentioning is the licensing element of ClickLearn. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. And happy to hear that. <laughs> I mean, of course, we are partnered with 4217, but it's, it's always nice to hear the, how well we are able to work together and just the use case behind it. But yeah, as far as the pricing itself, it's just a 12-month subscription. So essentially, we're just looking for four different elements for the criteria. So we're just looking for which business platforms you're using. So um, as you mentioned, ClickLearn works across all of the Microsoft stack and it also works across applications. So even if you have a process that begins in FNO and then moves over to BC or customer engagement or something like that, you're able to record across all those, even third-party web applications. Then we have two types of users. So then we ask how many authors you'll need. So those who are creating the content. So what's really cool about ClickLearn is only those that are creating the content need to actually install ClickLearn onto their PCs. And then those are the ones that will do the creation. Or in other cases, it could be someone from Fortitude 17 doing the creation for you. And then from there, you're able to generate as much content as you like. Then there are the end users, so how many people are consuming the content. So this isn't tied to the Microsoft licenses themselves. It's just anyone that's using any business application that needs to learn how to use it. So the average company has probably around 20 different applications within the business itself. You know, you're going to need documentation and training material on all of those things. 
especially mm-hmm. as there's going to be employee turnover and you know someone that bought something that does the training maybe only remembers half of what they learned from the person previously mm-hmm. so it's a good way to just have that uh, single source of truth when it comes to the knowledge of the business systems and then finally we're just looking at which edition works best so there's the enterprise edition where you'll have scorm compliant material that you can put into your learning management solution there's also automated process testing so all of the recordings that you create with ClickLearn, you can then do different testing on those and see like the log errors and things like that. So this way you can just ensure that whenever there's a change in the system that it, it still works. Um, there's also a virtual assistant that'll guide someone through the system uh, live. So this way it just ramps up how quickly someone can use the system. And then on the professional edition, there's also the virtual assistant and then you can know of all the languages that you need and then if you just need the basics of just written documentation you can do that so instead of getting the videos where you can test your users or where users can go through a sandbox to actually learn the process essentially you can just remove that and just have the base knowledge so that usually comes into play when someone needs like ISO standard 9001 for example where they just need documentation on their system and maybe they're a small team using Business Central would be an example use case. Yeah, very good. Thanks very much. Yeah, that's so succinct and, and again, captures it beautifully. Um, another thing I love about ClickLearn is, correct me if I'm wrong, but if, for example, we use ClickLearn and or a client uses ClickLearn, records all their material, if there's an update to, or an upgrade, let's say, to the solution, mm-hmm. the documentation follows suit too, right? Yeah, exactly. So everything will be updated. So we have a functionality called replay. So whenever there's a new update, so for Business Central, there could be two or more every year. It's going to be for all the Microsoft applications. Essentially, let's say a button moves, you don't need to re-record the entire process again. You just click the replay button and then ClickLearn will update everything automatically. And it's able to do that because ClickLearn understands the past within the application itself and all the interactions behind them. So it's not recording JPEGs or anything like that. So then if that button moves and then the, that line of code moves somewhere else, then ClickLearn will just follow that around. So that's how it's able to, to do all those updates. Yeah, the flexibility with ClickLearn is, is second to none really. In terms of all the good things that you've mentioned there, one thing I love about it is, as you kind of alluded to very much at the start of this, it's not just for companies like ourselves that are hands-on with Microsoft. Essentially, it can be for anyone to kind of trial and work their way through a process. That's one of the things I love about it. Yeah. Oh, well, very happy to hear because we actually <laughs> just heard back from like a, an IT director who mentioned he had just heard about it because just the team implementing FNO was going to be using it initially. So then they went through their board meetings. Uh, we you know, helped prepare everything for the meeting just to ensure that it worked uh, when he needed it to work. So everything went well. And then the IT director said, oh, wait, by the way, you know, let's look at this holistically as a business. Do we want to just record this one process and then let the tool collect dust over here? Or do we want to kind of spread this use case around the business? So this way it's not just coming out of one department's budget. It's something that someone in each department can use because there's going to be, I guess what people would call, would term a super user. Essentially, there's one super user, at least in every department. So yeah. why don't we get each one of them the an author license or just the author designation and then essentially they record the process itself so sure. and then since ClickLearn has 
named authors and companies can switch around who's an author whenever they like. It's just a very quick and efficient way to, to build everything out and just have that repository of knowledge from yeah. built from within. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I know that that kind of consolidates the demo that we offered um, quite recently to a, to a different client. Um, the thought was originally it would underpin and, and go hand in hand with the Dynamics Transformation project that was in mind. However, there's a larger ERP overhaul due kind of later down the line that again was another consideration to use ClickLearn and dual purpose and alongside that the BAU processes so how do we maintain the client and customer website you know it's really such a good tool that you can apply in different facets of a business um, that's what I love about it. ClickLearn has some huge customers and partners in their portfolio how does ClickLearn establish and cement such good business relations? Oh, a lot of it is ClickLearn as a product itself. So I always thought, you know, if I'm going to sell some software, I'd like it to work. So one thing that's nice about ClickLearn is it works. So that's just one main factor. And then also it's usability and scalability. So it's really easy to train the authors themselves. So we have what's called the ClickLearn community where you can join in and just connect with other authors and see how they're using ClickLearn and just learn the best way to implement everything. There's also the ClickLearn universe, which is some self-paced training that all the authors can go through as well. And then we have a customer success team that helps with the implementation and also understanding the customer's needs, expectations, their different objectives when it comes to implementing ClickLearn. So it's one thing that, yes, some people want to just create documentation. Others want to take on more of a business transformation type thing. So they want to build everything out. They want everyone to be trained on the system because these systems are, you know, not the cheapest thing in the world. So when you take all of this time and resources and a lot of people are involved, you want to ensure that it's successful as possible and, and ClickLearn helps the partners with that. Sure. Um, one thing just kind of following on for the previous question that, that you've just kind of jogged my memory about was, you know, we mentioned about the functionality within ClickLearn that allows upgrades and to kind of fly seamlessly into the, the training material that's created previously. Mm-hmm. I know with task recordings, you know, one thing I say, particularly when we're doing testing or training, it's, it's quite a sad story, really. But actually, if you want to maximize the use of the people and the resource you have around you, you kind of have to wait until the environment is done and dusted. You know, you can only capture it then. And that way, you're not having to kind of, you know, in, you know, rework the entire guide or, you know, even worse kind of create you end up creating a patchwork quilt type guide you know you're adding new fields in and things so yeah that's what I love about ClickLearn the fact that you have this this kind of big question mark already addressed and answered and actually anytime we've worked with a product it's been seamless and, and I can attest as a partner the training documentation that accompanies ClickLearn and, and kind of encourages its users and partners to kind of get on board and understand things freely is very good and very good, very simple and very easy. So yeah, I completely can attest to that. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, my pleasure. So this is a really interesting topic for me. So, and, and it's rare that there's someone in a professional sport and also has that tech crossover, just as mm-hmm. I do and my 4217 teammates do. But you share a sports background too. Can you tell me a little about your athletic career? Yes. So um, it started when I was about eight. I was really good at the game of tag. So my mom said, you should go run track. So my grandpa took me to my first practice and it went 
horribly wrong. I ate too much. I almost threw up. <laughs> I had a very big ego at school. Very first track practice, I lost to a girl, and I was like, whoa, okay, I'm not as good as I think I am. There are people that just work harder than me. So I cried a bit after practice, and then my grandpa said, oh, are we coming back tomorrow? And I said, yeah, let's go. Um, so I've been running ever since. I was Division One for the at UC Santa Barbara. So that was a lot of fun. I ran the 400 there. And then I was fortunate enough to keep running when I moved to Denmark. Not necessarily because I wanted to, but because I wanted to make friends. <laughs> and then and kind of integrate. So I said, oh, I guess I'll start running again. And then I ran a few races and I said, oh, okay, I guess I'm not completely out of shape after college. So then I was fortunate <laughs> enough to win a few Danish national championships. <laughs> awesome. And then after an injury, then I just kept running again. And then now I'm a coach, which I say is uh, more fulfilling than being an athlete. Yeah, which I find fascinating. I mean, speaking personally, I I've always said once I stop playing football, I'm not sure you'll find me in a coaching capacity. I, the way I play football, I very much coach in a game and, and I suppose find myself in a leader in, in that capacity. However, I don't think I could be so close to the sport and not play. I think it would slowly crush me inside. So I find what you say so interesting. It wasn't a direct path. So essentially someone put up a notice on Facebook that they needed a coach and I wasn't doing anything. So I was like, ah, yeah, okay, I'll coach. And then I ended up really liking my athletes and just enjoying what I was doing as a coach. So I'd say track in Denmark does not have a lot of resources. So it's definitely like, you know, I'm not going to get rich off of this unless I make some changes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until I make some changes. But essentially it was just, yeah, I love the sport. It's also, there's not too many coaches so there is like an actual coaches shortage for most sports mm -hmm. so it's this idea of that i can give back and what really killed me was my younger sister i have three younger sisters and one of them runs track well so far all of them have run track the other one hasn't gotten old enough yet but then she's like oh i don't want to run track there's no money in it and i'm like what yeah. <laughs> what do you mean there's no money in it so now i'm like a full-on champion of women's sports because I'm like, I don't want my sister to stop running because she's like, there's no money. And I'm like, what? I'll pay you. <laughs> my guy, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's why I like coaching. So now I'm trying to convince her to let me coach her for a summer. Awesome. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> okay, so um, leading on nicely, in one of our last calls, you actually joined from Greece, where one of your athletes medaled in the national championship. How, how much, or well, I suppose my question is, what is your favorite thing about being a coach these days? Mm, figuring out the best way possible to get out of my athlete's way so they can succeed. Mm -hmm. So it's not about me talking to sprinkle my words of wisdom like that's it's very easy to fall into that but leadership in itself is about setting people up for success and then kind of getting them to a level where if i was not there they could coach themselves or they could coach someone else so it's been a interesting journey on avoiding if you look at like a bike wheel there's all the spokes they go to the middle and if you take away the middle, the wheel doesn't work anymore. So my goal is to not be that central point 
because then essentially if I'm gone, then everything falls apart. And it's also not like sure. emotionally sustainable to actually perform like that at a high level. So it's you have to empower everyone to do their task in the best way possible. That's why also I like ClickLearn. That's what ClickLearn does. It helps <laughs> people to not have to bother you and they can just do it themselves. And that's how most people want to work anyway. Sure. I really like the uh, the bike spoke analogy in the way that you've um, you pinched a little of my IP. I might have to pinch that in return. Um, really <laughs> how you summarize that. Do you, one question, I think, again, this is kind of an interesting one for me. Do you race your athletes? Do you kind of put them to the test, the ultimate Marquise test? Uh, so I, I do do a work. I used to, well, right now my foot is broken. So, so I would have done a workout with them. But I do one race a year, and I did catch a few of the kids in the 800 meter <laughs> to which, you know, I don't know what they do all day, but they're clearly not practicing hard enough. So yeah, yeah. I like to keep the kids on their toes. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, quite literally, quite literally. One yeah. thing that um, I find interesting, and I speak to fellow athletes, and, you know, I'm not sure if this is just kind of more so limited to female sports but sometimes running you know no pun intended running a sporting career alongside what I'd class as like a business career let's say do you find that as a help or a hindrance I know for me personally I really appreciate the sporting element for me you know as much as I can work and throw time into my business Fortitude 17 I can't get away from the sport element like I love it it completely breaks my work psyche is that the same for you or do you feel differently I feel they complement and help each other. So when it comes to the business side of things, I have a lot of structure and just kind of discipline around the tasks that need to be done. Not discipline like, oh, I'm not hard on myself and, you know, I peruse BBC on occasion. You know, I'm guilty of it. However, it's just that discipline of like, okay, this is a task I need to do. I just need to do it. So that's really helpful in the, in the business sense. And then as a coaching sense, I've been fortunate enough to have a few good managers in the business side of things. And it's mm -hmm. taking inspiration from them on the best way to coach, especially when you're coaching high performance individuals. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how much can you actually say to the national champion? Like, you know. Then we're just tweaking. It's, it's a relationship. We work together. So that's like one thing that's really important. It's like, yes, I'm the coach, but I'm the coach because they decided. So it's like, I'm the leader, but I'm only the leader because these people decided that I should lead the way. But I'm not always right. I'm not always, I'm not in charge. I'm there to provide the guidance and kind of look at the forest while everyone else is looking at the tree. Yeah, sure. So within sport, again, as you say, I think the best successes and the best teams and, you know, the best accolades or the ones that I can kind of think of at least have come from a coach's more of a leadership role rather than a dictator approach where they, where they kind of... Yeah, no, but I get what you mean. It's like this idea of you can't force people to do things. You need to mm -hmm. figure out the best way possible to get them to execute what both of you have in mind. Right. It's a collaboration. Exactly. It's a collaboration. So essentially, like in our group, everyone has run at least one new personal best every year. Last year, we had mm -hmm. two guys set the club record in the 400 hurdles and the open 400 meter. I think everyone in the group was 
mm-hmm. top five in the club for the year. And then, yeah, one guy, he became the national champion, by, and he ran a new personal best by 1.82 seconds in the 400 hurdles. And wow. then this year, um, he got second at the Greek national championship. He came in ranked fifth and then mm-hmm. left home with a silver. So it's like we have to have a collaborative wow. relationship because they are also high-performing individuals. You can't ride them too hard. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. I think it's honestly incredible. One thing that I am a huge proponent of is bringing athletes, you know, people that no longer play or people that are looking to carve out their own career in, let's say, business, you know, aside from sport. And I'm a huge proponent of that. One thing that I am very grateful to sport for, a number of skills and techniques that I've learned from a very early age and now they're embedded in my kind of culture and way of life and and thankfully I can take these into business. Um, I'm not sure if you agree but if you do what are the kind of main two three things I suppose skills that you've drafted over from sport and that have transpired in your business life? Oh definitely oh this is a something I say to my athletes all the time because I'll ask them to do something and they complain and I say you know if my manager, if my, oh, actually I say, if my boss tells me to send an email, I send an email. Just do what I ask you to do. Because I'm a 400 meter runner and I had a few coaches that would have us just run a lot of repetitions. So when you have to run mm-hmm. 10 400s in 60 seconds, you know, you don't really have time to be thinking about complaining. You just need to do what was asked of you so that you can get done. So it's like, you know, that discipline to just, get the task done even if you don't need to not every it's called work not fun for a reason so that's a, a good mindset I took over from sport <laughs> sure well you've kind of got the 10,000 hour rule right so you know repetition makes a lot of sense to me and you know the, the rule of the well the idea of the 10,000 hours rule is that actually by the time you've kind of practiced 10,000 hours in your given discipline you're actually considered an expert in that field so again, it, for me, it makes a whole lot of sense to really kind of drill down and, and again, repeat until permanent. Exactly. And like one real fun aspect that's going over from sport to business is now that I'm a coach, there's always something new to learn. There's no moment where you can say, OK, we have all the knowledge on how to get a person from A to B in the fastest way possible. So it's just the idea of being able to stay curious on what you're doing and what's the purpose behind it and this also how it benefits you. And it also is a good way to learn how to prioritize things. So a lot of times, you know, you'll be getting a lot of Teams messages when you need to be following up on, you know, let's say creating documentation or something like that. So it's a good way to say, okay, this takes precedent and then this comes second. So Mm-hmm. sports a business just learning how to prioritize your time is uh is definitely key yeah absolutely and again something I can completely attest to like growing up for me I was traveling to London from my base in the Midlands and that was a round trip of four hours so I do a full day of work commute straight to training two hour session and commute home and I would repeat that kind of three four times a week and you know there is no way that you can achieve both of those things and less you know strict with your time management and that is kind of down to the minute at times one thing you mentioned right at the start of the podcast was discipline and as you said you know you kind of if you kind of boss stipulates that you do something you recommend someone follows it you know those 
those pieces and the key elements of discipline, I just think are so rewarding later in life. Exactly. It's about doing what you have to do so that you can do what you want to do. And that's uh, one of the rewards of discipline. I love that. That could be a bumper sticker, that one. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't have summarized it better. So finally, Marquis, to summarize our podcast and as well the way we wrap up every podcast we host, based on the famous book that's essentially a collection of excellent advice from MVPs, it's called If I Could Tell You Just One Thing. What would your final word of advice be on this podcast? Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> it's designed oh. to trip people up. Oh, you know what? I'll say what I say to every single athlete that steps on my track. Run through the line. Nice. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, again, whether you're an athlete or not, that just very much is is quite clear in its direction, huh? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people have gotten... I've seen a lot of people lose because they didn't run through the line. They dived too early Mm -hmm. or they did something else, maybe showboating. You know, they tore a tricep patting themselves on the back and they didn't go through the line. And then, yeah, they didn't get what they wanted. So, yeah, run through the line. Run through the line. I love that. Thank you. Marquis, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're a busy guy, so I really appreciate your time. As we have partnered with ClickLearn, if you or your project has any training requirement, please reach out to me either on LinkedIn or via email and I can put you in touch with Marquis and the team. To those listening, thanks for having us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow us on your respective streaming service, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or whatever it might be. Have a good one, and remember to always make training a priority if you're looking to succeed, whether that's in life, sport, or business. 